Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line. This is Deborah Butler, and thanks for joining me for my podcast, People Know Stuff. And today, I am very happy to have John Askew with me. John Askew knows stuff about creating a nonprofit. And John spent his career at the Internal Revenue Service. He is, by training, a certified public accountant, and he had a career at the Internal Revenue Service, but he also has been responsible for creating six different charities of his own. He has served on numerous charitable boards, and he certainly has been very helpful with a number of other charities in filing for their recognition of exemption. And so John has agreed to really walk us through the fundamentals of creating a nonprofit. So, John, welcome. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Me too. And I know that you have already sent me in writing your main points, and they're very clear. So wonder if you will just share your main points, and then maybe we'll dig in around a couple of them. Well, <clears throat> the first thing, if, you, if you're thinking about or wanting to set up a, a a charity is you need to know what it is that you're interested in specifically. <clears throat> yeah, all of us want to do good for others, but we need to know exactly where our interests are and where the needs uh, in those interests lie. So the first thing you need to do is have really a clear vision of <clears throat> what it is that you want to accomplish, who it is that you want to help, and how do you think you can go about doing that? That's the most important thing, because without that, uh, the charity is basically um, worthless, because you need to have that passion that this is something that you're interested in and that you want to do, because without that passion, it, get, it can get frustrating. You also need to look for like-minded people who can help you with this development because you can't do it all on your own. You need to have people who are worker bees, people that you would want to help you do the work, but also other visionaries who can help you really clearly get an idea of where you want to go with this and how you go about doing it. Um, people who have, um, experience maybe in the areas that you're talking about. I mean, one of the areas that I've worked in is homeless. So you need to have people who have some knowledge of the homeless community beyond just having seen people on the street that are homeless. So you need to have a, a clear vision of, of what's going on. And then you also need to have people that may not see things exactly the way you do, but who will challenge you with your ideas. Because even though you're passionate, your approach or your ideas may not be the best way of doing it. Or maybe there needs to be some amplification of, of concept, uh, more um, uh, refining of, of goals. 
um, uh, those kinds of things. So it's really good to have a clear view of what it is that you're looking to do. One of the things I'm hearing there is you really have to be open-minded. Um, I would think sometimes people think they want to create a nonprofit because they want to be in charge, but I'm hearing you say it's not going to be as strong if you can't hear different points of view and that, if you can't include others. Uh, that that's exactly correct because uh, uh, you do, you don't want to you want a democracy. I mean, because you're going to need to have a board of directors, so you need to have people there that are going to be. Um, um, challenging, uh, supportive, uh, innovative, creative, all of those kinds of things. Um, so you've got to have people around you who um, will will keep you honest. Uh, in addition, you've got to have um, officers for, because this, when you create a charity, you're really creating a business. So you've got to have people that can run it on a day-to-day basis. And again, you need people that you can work well with. Well, uh, you know, you say you've got to have a board of directors. Is that a requirement for a charity? Are officers a requirement for a uh, nonprofit incorporation? Yes, because it is a corporation. It is a nonprofit corporation, just like Coca-Cola or Delta Airlines or whatever. Clearly smaller in scope, but it still has to have the same fundamentals in leadership, which would be officers as well as a board of directors. It doesn't have to be large. It can be, you know, two officers and maybe three board members. Uh, But you still have to have those and they have to be uh, willing to do the work. Okay. So you're telling us about first being clear and specific in your focus, and then who you're think about who you're going to engage to be a part of this, because what you're telling us is you've got to have officers and you've got to have a board. Tell us about the bylaws and operating guidelines. Well, those are really nothing other than your your rules of the road. So you've got to know one of the things in the bylaws is your purpose. Why are you here? Because this is being a charitable organization. All of your financial activity is available for the public to, to review. Uh, and in fact, when you file a tax return, which we could talk about in a little bit, that tax return is available for anyone to see. They can request to look at it. And so they can see where your money's coming from, how you're spending the money, who your focus groups are, um, and look to make sure that you're spending the, uh, the funds that they are providing, which is the purpose of the charity, is to get the funds to be able to provide the support the way that it needs to be done. So you've got to have that that um, accountability, and you get that through the officers and the board of directors, too. All right. And then in terms of the creation of the corporation, tell us well, about that. Well, I, I, the fun thing can be, what do you call this thing? I mean, you, you've got this vision of what it is that you want to do, but every organization has a name. So you've got to come up with a name and you want to do one that really defines either kind of what it is you're doing. You want people to be able to hear the name and say, oh, I know what they're doing by the name. Um, um, But um, you also have to be careful because there are other people who probably have had some of the same ideas you've got. 
maybe in other places. So in the state of Georgia, when you create your charity, you have to identify a name and then you have to basically incorporate that name. Uh, uh, so what I always suggest to people is do spend some time talking about who it is, what you'd like as, as, a, as a name, something that's fun, maybe something that is um, maybe you could take parts of the name and turn it into kind of a, 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 a an interesting name. We had one organization where the, the uh, name spelled out a word and it was called by that particular word. Um, that can be, um, be fun, but you need to have several names in mind because when you go into the state of Georgia, for example, with us to look for, to, to start incorporating, you have to make sure that name has not been taken. So it's easier to come up with four or five, six names, uh, or if you're sitting there in a um, meeting, you can always do a query on the Secretary of State's site and look to see if names have already been taken. And this if they would have been, uh, as you say, a query. Um, well, so when you're sitting around talking about it with these like-minded people, mm -hmm. then and and it's very important to know what your name is. Then, as you say, you can go into the Secretary of State's website and see is that an available name. That's that's true. Yeah. So you you do that, and then after you've come up with the name, after you've come up with the bylaws, and let's go back to the bylaws. Bylaws, like I said, they are your operating guidelines. So that includes the purpose, but it also includes things like um, your officers, who your officers are, how often they are replaced. The same thing with your board of directors. Um, uh, other um, things like uh, opening up bank accounts, borrowing money if you need to do that, um, um, uh, other affiliations, but it's the true operating guidelines for, uh, and again, those are public record because people need to know how you do business as well as what business you do. So in some ways, what you're describing are the necessary steps for any business. That's correct. And so you haven't really distinguished yourself as a nonprofit yet from just no. a regular business. So tell no. us about that step that now says, hey, we are a business and we're a nonprofit. And it's a two-step, two well, it's a multiple-step process, but two key points. One, when you do go to the Secretary of State in any state that you happen to be in, but in, work, in this case, it's, uh, I'm in Georgia, you go to the Secretary of State and you file an application to create a domestic nonprofit corporation. And that's your first step because you're identifying yourself as that you don't intend to make money to pay taxes. You intend to make money to generate support for the cause that you've established. And that's a simple process. But before you do that, you need to know what your purpose is and you need to know your officers because you have to disclose those when you do create that entity. You'll disclose. So, so when you go for your incorporation, there's where the paths split because there's an, a, an incorporation that any business would go through, but then there's an incorporation that is a nonprofit corporation. So right from the beginning, it has to be identified as a nonprofit corporation. That, that is correct. 
So once you've done that, and the fee is somewhere between $50 and $100 in most states to basically set up this entity. Uh, once you've set up the entity, then at that point, you would then file for your tax-exempt status. Because the key to the charity is any funds that you raise, you want to be able to keep those funds and use them toward the goals of the charity rather than paying federal income tax like you would pay if you were a regular corporation, like you were a Coca-Cola or Delta Airlines or something like that. And that's, that is a little bit more involved. Uh, there's a form, uh, 1023, that you file with the Internal Revenue Service, but it, it's and it's fairly comprehensive because it'll ask all those questions, all the things that I've talked about, which is who are your officers? Um, what is your purpose? What is your goal? Who is it that you're going to be supporting um, and um, 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 providing assistance to? And it's a, um, it's, oh, probably about 10 or 12 pages in length. And there's a fee that goes with that to file for the status. And it's uh, under $500, but there is a fee that you pay. It's a one-time fee that you do. But the, when you do file this form with the, with the um, IRS, the presumption is that it will be approved. So on the day that you submit that application, you are effectively at that point a 501c3 or a charity. And you began operating like a charity because at that point, people can look at your books, they can look at your tax return, um, and um, then you are responsible as an officer for making sure that it does what it's supposed to do and the funds go where they need to go. Well, you know, I wonder how are you held accountable so that the money is indeed used towards the focus of your charity? Part of the accountability is that the IRS can review the forms because you file an annual form and it's a 990, just like a, an individual would file a 1040 or a corporation would file an 1120. So the return is filed. The IRS can look at and uh, you have to disclose on that annual return what money you got, where you got it from and how you spent it. Uh, the other is that individuals can ask to see that form. And they can look at it. And frequently, you'll see, uh, you, you probably have seen some articles in the past where um, some of the news shows, some of the uh, TV stations or the um, uh, printed media have looked at charities and have found that they were not being done correctly. For example, remember the one in North Carolina where uh, Jimmy Tammy Faye Baker uh, had their charity up there. And there was a big investigation of it by the, the, the news and the IRS. And it was determined that it was not a qualified organization because the funds were not being spent correctly. And I think Jim actually went to jail. For right. Yes, I do remember. And that dates both of us. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, for all of my listeners, um, if you remember, then you're probably... In our uh, in our peer group, um, in our demographic, yes, 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 in our demographic. But I th unfortunately, I think there are probably um, some pretty meaningful uh, fraud cases mm. around the money not being used in accordance with what was stated in the creation of the nonprofit corporation and in compliance with what's expected. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, people can set them up and use them for their own personal benefit. Right. Unfortunately. And uh, that, uh, but um, there are mechanisms to, to, for that to be found out over time. Yeah. Yeah. And that there will be consequences. Yes. There are always consequences. Right. Who was it that uh, a famous criminal that they got him on tax fraud? Which one? Bugsy Siegel, I think. Well, but, um, but it's also um, uh, Al Capone. They yeah, Al Capone, him. that's it. Yeah, they got him on tax evasion as opposed to murder. There you go. There yeah. you go. Um, well, you know, I really appreciate you taking us through this overview because the one thing I'm learning is that it's certainly doable mm-hmm. and it's really important to think of it as a business mm-hmm. that, you know, you've really got a, 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 a to have a business plan. Yes. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, because I think a lot of times people say, oh yeah, we're going to create a charity, but I don't know that they always recognize that there's, you know, a business piece to it. What about this? One final question. What do you think is the wisdom of bringing in an accountant and a lawyer very early on? Is this something that you would recommend? Well, if if you are fortunate enough to know an accountant and an, an attorney who are willing to work pro bono or be part of the board of directors or and don't charge, that's wonderful. And when you're just starting out, you don't have a whole lot of money and you don't want to spend it on administrative expenses. But if you can get a, an, a, an accountant and an attorney to be connected with you, um, that really helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um well, I sure do appreciate you bringing your expertise to this topic. And just to review, you want to start with clarity about your focus. And that probably is going to come out of, like you say, something that you really care about. Mm-hmm. And probably if you care about it, you've done some work in the area. So I'm sure that in the midst of that, you've met like-minded people. But investigating how you go about incorporating as a nonprofit yeah. That's going to take a little bit of time and it means going to the Secretary of State webpage and really understanding what's going to be involved and clarifying how are you going to operate mm-hmm. and then taking additional time to really go through that application for recognition yeah. of exemption. Um, and yeah. that was under that 5013. Uh, C3. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, John. It's my pleasure. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. And I appreciate you sharing what you know. And if you know stuff, reach out. I'd like to hear from you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of People Know Stuff. If you know stuff, I'd like you to be a guest on my program. Please visit my website and drop me a line.